Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 to 8, reading. Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications, with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the, by the things which he suffered. Now, let's read verse 8 together. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he had done. May God bless the reading of his word. Now, the person asked this, can you kindly explain? Wow, very rare, you know. Kindly explain, huh? That's the spirit. <laughs> can you kindly explain? Have I been not very kind? Uh, what the following passages mean, right? So what the following passages mean, um, when Christ learned, when Christ learned, all right? So that will be specifically verse 8. Though he were a son, and this capital S, right? Yet learned he obedience. Right, so what does it mean Christ had to learn? Now, I guess the meaning is, now if Christ is God, and here the reference, the Son, obviously referring to Christ as God, capital S even, um, helped us to understand that. Now, that God, but if God being omniscient, God who knows all things, now why does the Bible say, Though he, were yet, though he were a son, though he was God, yet he had to learn obedience by the things he suffered. Right? So I understand the question. Why must God learn? God knows everything. So maybe I try, right? Try the young ones. Uh, Matthew, why must God learn? Why must Jesus learn when Jesus, is, Jesus knows everything? But yet God says he had to learn. Okay, other children, think very hard now. Huh? Think hard and fast. <laughs> he, yes. Why, why must he learn? He's God. He knows everything. Okay, you must, you must thank Uncle Thomas for asking that question, right? <laughs> Let's learn. What does it mean? Maybe ask the university students to help Matthew, all right? Uh, who wants to help Matthew? Um, Hazel. Say again. He humbled himself to become a man. But what has it to do with learning? Oh, I see. So he had to go through what we had to go through. He had to become a man and go through what we go through. Okay, that's one thought. Maybe another one. Maybe the high school student, Anna Tiong. I know one way I, I mixed up everybody. I thought your university all mixed up. Right. High school, right? Okay. Not sure. But God, omniscient God had to learn. Had to learn. Mm. A tough one, right? Okay, last one. Maybe i ask some daddies. Uh, Alex. He developed, he developed through 
that stage of being a man. Is it? He developed through, and suffering was one of the stage of being man. Okay. Um, all right. Now, these are verses that sometimes people say, and they will use it. All right. I invent my own question on the fly. Huh? They will use it to say, Jesus, your Jesus is not God. All right. So one day, all right, maybe Gracia, your friend say, hey, hey, Gracia, your Jesus is not God. Because, you know, your Bible, I read your Bible, your Bible says that your God must learn. Then he's not God. Now, when someone use a verse, right, Gracia, someone use a verse in the Bible and challenge you, Jesus is not God. All right, Jesus is not God because he has to learn. Now, how are you going to defend it? Your brother is very happy, you know, keeps looking at you. Now it's your turn. <laughs> Try and find out what the Bible is saying here, is it? Okay, that's one. But sometimes on the spot, you don't. You don't know how. Maybe I'll ask uh, Kelvin. Kelvin, on the spot, you say, well, this passage clearly says that Jesus is not God. How would you, what would you do? Or maybe yourself, right? You're reading the Bible. You say, oh, hang on. Then is Jesus really God? Now, how would, what would you do every time you encounter passages like that? Very good. Right? Consider other parts of Scripture. Always have the principle. You have the whole Bible. Always let the Bible speak for itself. In other words, use the clear parts of the Bible to explain the less clear all right? So, Gracia, then you say, oh, hang on. This one, yes. There must be a reason, right? But I know Jesus is God. So, what you can do is go to passages that very clearly shows that Jesus is God. Correct? So, always go to a passage that you know proves that Jesus is God if at this point you cannot explain this. All right? So, these are common things that people say. See, Jesus is not God. Your God is not God. He must learn. He must learn. So, now, then the question is this. Um, Nathan, what is a verse that can be used to clearly show that Jesus is God? Say again. Okay, John chapter 10, verse 13. Good. Um, what else? Um, okay, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, Jennifer. 1 Timothy 3.16. We just learned it this morning, right? that God was manifest in the flesh, and then you have John and all that. All right, so this is how you handle things first. But still, we want to be clear here, all right? But at least in your heart, you're clear. You're able to show them. Now, what is this learning? What is this learning? Uh, most of you, your answers are very close, very correct, okay? Very close to the correct understanding. Now, first and foremost, the word learn. We normally say learn means you don't know, so you must know. All right, the common understanding, you don't know something, then you must know it. Well, yes, that's correct. Now, but the word learn is also to, to gain experience, right? Well, you can say he, he didn't have that experience, now he gained that experience, okay? Now, so just take that word standing as what it means, to gain experience, um, to go through something. Because as you learn, you're going through something. Now, first and foremost, we know Jesus is God. Then this cannot be talking about knowledge, correct? Jesus knows all things. Then this must be talking about going through something. 
going through something. So you are correct. Now, Jesus must go through these sufferings. So this learn is about going through something. Look at chapter 4 first, right? Look at chapter 4. Verse 15. Chapter 4, verse 15. Let's read together. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Now, earlier on, the writer of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, said that the high, oh, this high priest here is referring to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ went through, now he, he, he is able to feel everything that we feel. That's why he said he, he, he's someone that, it's not someone that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Everything that we feel when we go through something. He, he has experienced it. He can understand how we feel. He will be touched by how we feel. Then he says, but was in all points tempted. Now, another thing. He will go through all kinds of temptation, every kind of temptation that humankind have gone through. He was also tempted at all points, like as we are. Now, so what is this later on when he says, Jesus learned obedience by suffering? Suffering is one of the temptations that mankind go through. So he learned obedience means he must go through the experience. So when we experience suffering, does Jesus know? You know the hymn writer, does Jesus know? Does Jesus care? The Bible tells us Jesus has also experienced that suffering. And in, in suffering, we will be tempted. Tempted to disobey God, right? You might lose your job, you might, lose, um, you might, not, you might not get the school results that you want. You're tempted to cheat, right? You will go through temptation. As you suffer, maybe health problems, you're tempted to disobey God. So when you go through temptations, you have feelings. When you go through temp uh, um, suffering, you have feelings. When you go through suffering, you also can be tempted to sin. Now, God says that Jesus Christ must go through all that. But he only gained. Now, gain doesn't mean he doesn't know. But he must go through these phases that you and I go through. He gained that development in that state, in, in, that, in that sense. Now, Jesus must grow up. Jesus, I will put it this way, God the Father could have formed Jesus Christ, could have given Jesus Christ a perfect human body. And then he come in that perfect human, fully grown up body. That's what I meant. Don't need to be birthed through Virgin Mary. So God can bring Jesus Christ in a fully grown, perfect, adult body straight away. Correct? God can do that. But God says that now in order, maybe i ask you now, why must Jesus Christ be born? If Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, He can be born, right? Be born. Maybe draw, draw cartoons, huh? Okay, so now I ask, when you ask me a question, I have the joy of asking you in return, right? Now, so now, if Jesus Christ was to come to die for our sins, right? 
All right, Thomas? Okay? Now, so, now, if Jesus Christ could come fully grown body, right, fully grown body, um, one day before the crucifixion, um, go through that day and night, all right, and then be crucified and then save us. Correct? Yeah. So why must Jesus Christ be born? Right? So baby wrapped in a manger, uh, baby wrapped up. Why must Jesus Christ be born? Perfect obedience. Very good. Now, so I hope that the young ones, you understand how you are saved. Jesus Christ came to die for your sins. Now, that is one part. That is a payment of the penalty. Payment of the penalty. But there is also another part. He must fulfill perfect righteousness in order to give you that perfect righteousness. Because in order for us to go to heaven, and you read Revelation, when, the, when John saw the people all dressed in, dressed in white garments, what is that representing? What is that representing? Maybe I ask Phoebe. Why do we all dress in white? You like white? No, no, you like turquoise, you told me. Right? You know, all dressed in turquoise. Ah, yeah, why white? I was hoping it's all turquoise. You know it's turquoise color? Okay. Why? Why, why all white? Don't remember. They're all white. And then the angel explained, they are their garments washed in the blood of the Lamb and they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Why is it all white? Not only because it's all washed, but Christ's righteousness, the Bible says, is imputed. Imputed. Part of salvation, um, the need to be fulfilled for us to be saved, there must be imputed righteousness. Cleansing is one thing. There must be this righteousness that when God looks at us, it's as if we have not sinned. And the only way man can have imputed righteousness, a perfect righteousness, imputed means it doesn't, it's not yours, but it was given to you and now made yours. All right? In order for man to be saved, we must have this perfect righteousness. Then we keep sinning on earth. How? Christ will obey. All right? So just now you said what? Huh? Perfect obedience, right? Perfect obedience. This perfect obedience means righteousness. Perfect righteousness. Who can obey God's law perfectly? Only Christ. So Jesus Christ must go through this growing up stage. Then at every stage, He experienced everything that you and I as human beings experience. And He must go through that to actively obey God's law for you and for me perfectly at every stage of life, obey that. So you and I, we sin at this stage. We sin this kind of sin. We at this stage, sin this kind of sin. We at this stage, sin this kind of sin. Now at every stage, Jesus Christ must go through that same temptation, but yet be without sin. Then you have that perfect righteousness, and then he can now, every kind of sin that we submitted, committed, not only he wash away, but he will impute that righteousness perfectly to us. So when God looks at us, it's as if we have not sinned. Perfect righteousness, clothed in the perfect righteousness of Christ. Okay? So Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, must go through every phase of this thing and be tempted at all points. Now, so you say, how does this learning part come in? 
Now, this learn is this. It is to go through. To go through. Learning, you go through something. All right? But he went through without sin. Now, the other thing about um, learning, all right, is experience. He experienced all the temptation. He must experience it. If he don't experience it, means he did not overcome it. Then there is no righteousness to impute to you and I. So he learned. Go through it, experience it. Now I want to say this. We, when we read this, I guess, Thomas, why you ask, is probably you think, well, if God is omniscient, he knows everything. He knows everything, but he must go through it. He knows it, but he must go through it. All right? Number one. Now, and often we think, well, well, if he knows everything, then this is not about knowledge. This is about experience. Then I guess your second reason why you ask this is, well, um, if he's God, then he's perfect, right? Then when, when he's perfect, then, you know, like for us, I say, you, you tell Julius, Julius, you are naughty. And Julius, I know you always want to sin. Julius, you must learn not to sin, right? When you say that to your child, you are saying more from the reference of Julius wants to sin. And Julius must learn to stop sinning. Julius struggles to not sin. So Julius must learn to obey. Now, when we apply to humans, we usually use that word in that perspective, right? We tend to do something. We will struggle not to do it. So now we must learn obedience, okay? That's how we usually think, right? But when we see this word, Christ learn, Christ learn, we must not have the idea that, well, you know, Christ also want to sin. Um, Christ um, struggle not to sin. So Christ must learn not to sin. It's not that kind of learning, right? Christ is perfect. Christ was tempted at all points, but without sin. That is why Christ must be the one to save us. So this learn doesn't mean Christ struggle, Christ want to sin. The moment Christ wants to sin means Christ is sinful, Right? He has a sinful nature. He doesn't. Perfect man to substitute the imperfect man. Alright, so God must go through, go through, must experience everything that we experience. But because He is God, He's without sin throughout. And therefore, He can impute this righteousness and every stage of our kind of things we experience, every stage of life, He went through it. Alright, so now, the other one about learning um, is... It's the idea of, well, now actually we have to continue. Look at Hebrews chapter 5 now. Hebrews chapter 5. It's 5, 7 to 8, right? Hebrews chapter 5, 7 to 8. Hebrews 5, 7 to 8. Now, then we read verse 9. Verse 9. And, let's read together. And being made perfect. He became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, and being made perfect. All right, so now Thomas, you get even more confused. And being made perfect. Hang on. I thought number one, he is God. He knows everything. But now he says, well, looks like he had to go. He had to obey. Then he became perfect. He became perfect. I thought, but, but God is perfect. Christ is perfect. How come he was made perfect? Do you understand my question? Right? Like I said, that's why you asked me, I asked you back. 
I ask you in return, not ask you back. Ask you in return, right? So now, so what does it mean? And being made perfect. Uh, okay, good try. You're trying to trick me. Now, maybe I'll ask someone else. All right, so he said, well, hey, hang on. Made perfect. Oh, no. Well, Christ is God. I know. First Timothy 3.16, Christ is God. He's God. Then what is this made perfect? I now have to uh, think. Uh, Michelle, uh, I remember your name. Michelle, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so definitely it's not he was imperfect. Right? Now this is how to think, all right? We read scriptures, we know he is God. If he's God, then he has no sin. If he has no sin, then this perfect cannot be referring to he was imperfect and he had to be made perfect, correct? So th- read scriptures and think according to how God explains things. He is God, perfect. Then this cannot be about perfection, just like it cannot be about knowledge. It must be about experience. Now, this perfect then has to do with something to do with completed something now is sealed. Completed something is sealed. Done perfectly. All right? Done to perfection, completed to absolute. Anything that needs to be accomplished is totally accomplished. In fact, this word perfect has more to do with having accomplished. All right? Rather than whether it's sinful or sinful or, or not sinful. It has to do with accomplishment. So now, this accomplishment made perfect and being made perfect. Now, everything, look up here, now everything that Christ came to accomplish, when He finally went to the cross, they were all, now He was made perfect means He went through this, now He has reached the final accomplishment. The last accomplishment and He completed, He went through, that's why it's called made. This stage, this stage, this stage. Now this stage, he had finally reached that final stage and accomplished everything that he came to accomplish totally. Nothing else left. Now that is why it says, and being made perfect, if you want to read it in an understanding, paraphrase, then now, having gone through everything, in verse 8, having gone through everything that we go through, experienced everything that we experience, that he came to experience on our behalf and to obey God, now, having done that, all that now, now he finally have reached the stage, being made, being arrived at that stage where he has totally accomplished all things. Then, that is why in verse 9 he say, now he became the author. Accomplished everything, now he is truly the author of our eternal salvation. God finished salvation's plans work. That is made perfect. Alright, so we need to understand, well, if you read the Greek Bible, it'll be, it'll be easier. You read this word, you know it's not talking about sinful or what it's talking about. Um, the word is coming to an accomplishment. Coming to an accomplishment. That is what it means. So once you read it, you know it's not about whether it's sinful or not sinful, made perfect. Okay, so now I hope you understand all this. Now is the interesting part, application. Application. So I ask, young one, so you understand that now. What do you think is an application? 
for you, Cornelius. Very good. Christ had to go through all this. He is God. He don't need to go through all this for me. But yet he will even go through being birthed as man, go through everything that I went through. You like to go through everything that you're going through in life? You say, if I wish, if I can, I don't have to. But that's your life, you know. This is Christ who don't need to go through that for your life, my life. But he went through that. And he went through that perfectly, accomplished right from birth all the way to the cross. He went through all that. So when you begin to think of that, I'm glad the young people began to think that. How can I be so shameless? How can I be so ungrateful? And live as if from Monday to Monday to Friday, Monday to Saturday, like he does not matter. Christ lived every moment, every second of his life on earth to be able to put that righteousness on you. Every second in his life was spent doing that for you. Yes, you should be very grateful to your parents. They did many things for you. Let me translate that to Christ who did infinitely more. Then you say, Lord, this life belongs to you. Is it too much to us? That's why the Apostle Paul says, it's only to, to consecrate our life to Christ. It's only a reasonable sacrifice. Right, so don't read all this as theology. Ah, now I understand it's about experience. Why did he have to experience that? Now I understand, oh, you know, he, he finished everything for me. All that must stir us to love him. So when you go back this week, teens, when you go back to school this week, how are you going to live? How are you going to live your life? Every moment Christ lived his life for me, now I want to live every moment for him. Right, whenever I'm tempted to disobey him, I want to follow my friends. You remember, Wait, wait, wait. Uncle Thomas asked that question. Then I learned this. Now I must make sure I live every second for Christ as well. That's the least I could do. Adults, parents as well. All right? So when we learn all this theology, we understand all this, Christ must be real. Christ must be a real human in his perfect human form, a real person to us. Not an idea, not a theology. You must feel that in your heart. Alright? So Hebrews is not simply written to clear theology. It's to drive us to love Him. Okay? So those are some things. Well, any things that you learn. That's what I learned. Maybe something else. Maybe ask the adults. Uh, um, Jonathan. Okay, the younger Jonathan. Jonathan Chong. Yes. What else would you think about when you begin to realize, oh, this is what the Bible was talking about. Imitate Christ. What do you mean by that? Right? Strive to live like Christ on earth every second, every moment. Strive to live for Christ on earth. Now, I think there's another perspective. First Ten Commandments to love God. That's 20 commandments. First five commandments to love God. Right? Second five commandments to love man. Now, if Christ readily came to live 
for men that way. Now you understand why Christ have, God had the other commandments. That is our example, to love one another as God loved us, correct? God says that is the definition, that is the, that is the defining characteristic about a Christian, to live for others, to love others, all right, as Christ loved us. Um, so there's another thing. Why are we so selfish? Why are we so selfish? Christians, I think, over time become more and more self-centered and therefore become more and more selfish. Not only we don't love Christ, we can't be bothered about Christ. As long as He died for me, I'm going to heaven. Right, thank you very much. Now leave me alone. Why are we like that? Worse, when it comes to other people, even less concerned. I'm only concerned about myself. Why? Christ came to show that example, all right? All right, so some of these things. I hope that you remember. Of course, there are more applications. Submission to the Father, correct? Submission to the Father. Christ went through all this because God, the Father, say, this is my will. From birth all the way. So before Christ came, he already knew every second he's here to live for you because God, the Father, says, go and save my people. Say, yes, and gave Christ through everything that he went through. So now you think, when you realize what is God's will for you, what is God's perceptive will, personal will, are you going to say, Lord, you, you showed me that example. From birth to death, you live in submission to the Father's will. I want to be like that, all right? So I hope that all these are not just head knowledge, but it will stir your heart to love him, obey him, live for him. Now, the next question, all right? So I've answered your question, Thomas. Thank you. Now, next one. Okay. Let's turn to Mark 13, 32. Now, let's read together Mark 13, 32, reading. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. Not, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. All right? Now, so the person asks, if Jesus was fully God and fully man during his first coming, meaning he was still omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, how did he not know when his second coming will be? All right? How can he not know? Because here you say, no man knows, and you say, neither the Son. Not, not in the Trinity, not even the Son, but the Father. So, I can't remember whether I answered this, but I tried to look, but I think I should answer it again. Now, why? Maybe I ask, not many young, okay, Caleb, Caleb, what do you think is this about? So, how is it that Christ, who is fully God, fully man, not know? I don't know. All right. Did I answer this before? Okay, maybe I try. Um, Sing Yun. No, Sing Yuan. I meant to call Yuan. Sing Yuan. Can't remember. Do you remember if I answered this before? Ah, that's my trick question. All right, Vincent, you say yes, now, Vincent. <laughs> Be very careful when you're so fast. Right? Okay, yes, Vincent. Wow, blame me. <laughs> because you say. Okay. What did you learn this morning? Okay, yeah, go ahead. 
Okay. So, Vincent said, I say. <laughs> you must be convicted in your heart, right? Now, well, at least you remember. <laughs> now, God is 100%. Christ, Jesus Christ was 100% man, 100% God. So, this person understood it correctly. Now then, but so, so Vincent's conviction and Vincent's answer to you, uh, Anna, 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 you asked the question, right? Anna Tiong. Vincent's answer to you is, the 100% man part of him doesn't know. The 100% God part of him knows. What do you want to say to him? Or it means, did Jesus 100% mind that part choose not to know, is it? So he said, that sounds like Jesus 100% man choose not to know. Did he choose not to know? Okay. <laughs> okay, okay. All right. Now, this is important for us to understand about God. Now, so this 100% man, all right, 100% God. All right, 100% man, 100% God. All right, so young ones, please know, this is, this is Jesus Christ's incarnation. Okay, 100%. Now, so, so you're wondering, does it mean then that because it's 100% God part knows, this part don't know, then when Jesus said that, Jesus is saying, well, then the, the man part is choosing not to know. So you kind of like, uh, okay, okay, don't, don't, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't tell me. <laughs> That's in your mind. Uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, I don't think about it. Now, is it that? Well, maybe I'll ask, ask the young one, sorry. <laughs> ask Elisha, what do you think? Can Elisha be like that? That he say, I tell you a secret, all right? But you don't tell anybody. Then someone asks you, do you know Phoebe? Then Phoebe, as, as, as daddy's daughter, I know. But as school student, I'm not supposed to know. Uh, Daddy's Elisha, don't talk to me, don't tell me, don't think. Uh, then school Elisha say, I don't know, I don't know. What is it? Is it like that? <laughs> no, Elisha, sounds like you're calling me schizophrenic. Right? So you're calling me double personality and crazy. Now, what is this? Now, first and foremost, let's turn to Mark 13. Mark 13. Okay, now let's read 33 and 34, uh, 33 to 35 together. 33 to 35. Take heed, uh, take ye heed, watch and pray, for ye know not when the time is. For the Son of Man is as a man taking a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants and to every man his work, and commanded the porter to watch. Wherefore, eh, sorry, watch ye therefore, for ye know not when the master of the house cometh. Not even or at midnight or at the cock crowing or in the morning. Now, lest, he come, lest coming suddenly he find you sleeping. Now, when you look at this verse in verse 32. Now, in the Greek structure, there's an emphasis, a repeated emphasis of no, no man, no man, no man, no man. All right? So when you read the context, God the, God the Son keeps saying, no man. Now, then he also knows that he is 100% man on earth. So God says, no man, and he says, I'm also 100% man on earth. Now, then after that, they say, for the son of man. 
Now, he don't say son of God. Now, he says son of man. Now, the emphasis is about man. About man. So, the emphasis is about man. Every man listening to him. All the men around him. Now, man means human beings, huh? mankind. Not just men, no woman. Okay, okay, I draw skirt as well. All right? Okay. Human beings. Now, he says, no human being will know. Only God the Father knows. Now, what is he saying? Then he said, watch and pray. Watch and pray. If not, the second coming will be sudden, and then um, you'll be caught. You'll be caught. Now, God is saying this. When you look at, look at your Bibles, watch therefore. Eh, sorry, verse 33. Take heed. Take ye heed. Verse 35. Watch ye therefore. Then, um, verse 36. Less coming suddenly. Now, Christ's emphasis in that conversation is watch, pray, in verse 33, and verse 35, watch. Again, watch ye therefore. Therefore means, therefore means this is my, the point of my conversation. The point of my conversation is stop, man, man, stop, keep wondering when the second coming is. Stop thinking and trying to find out when the second coming is, man. Because you will never know. What man needs to focus on is watch and pray and be ready. Watch and pray and be ready. That is what you need, man, you need to keep focusing on. Now, then he suddenly brings himself in. Not even the son. But he refers to some himself in verse 34 as son of man. Now, when he says not even the son, now I ask the difficult, a bit difficult, right, down here. So I ask daddies, all right? Not even the son. Okay. Uh, Daddy, Howard. All right, Daddy. Uh, Howard, sorry. (laughs) Howard, now, why do you think Christ will suddenly bring himself into the picture, the man part of himself into the picture? Very smart. Because you know it's our time, he keep quiet, I have to ask someone else. Okay, someone else. Uh, uh, Jason. Okay, now, even I, in my 100% man form, so in a sense, uh, um, Michelle was right, even I, in, the, in my 100% man form, even I would not know. Neither am I interested. In my 100% man form, I don't know, and I am not interested. This is my point. Even I, as a son of man, uh, this is not what I keep wanting to know from the Father. I'm just here to do the Father's will. When the Father wants me to come back again, it's up to the Father. Don't keep asking. That's God's secret. Now, but the question is, still, does Jesus know? (laughs) Does Jesus know? So first, his emphasis, he brings himself in to say, even I am not interested, and I'm telling you, this is what we need to focus on earth. Does Jesus then know? Now, have you heard of the term hypostatic? I think this is how it's spelled. Hypostatic union of Christ. Hypostatic. This is, this is a theological term. Now, when it comes to Christ being 100% and 100% man, 100% God in, in this form. Now, he cannot separate it totally. Means... You cannot find any human being like Elisha. Elisha, can you separate, separate, separate? Elisha is not 
in hypostatic union of God and man. But in this hypostatic, it's the unique form. It's only existent in Christ. 100% man, 100% God. So would Jesus Christ as God knows? Yes. Would Jesus Christ as man know? No. But because Jesus Christ is 100% man, 100% God in one person, Jesus Christ is not saying, I suddenly lost my omniscience, my omnipotence, and I'm not God anymore. But he's just saying, my 100% man part is not interested. As God, I will know. Then as one person, I will know. But I want to emphasize that men don't focus on that. What's the lesson? Now, if God in a 100% man form is not interested, and he just wants us to focus, watch and pray, was that his life? Watch and pray was a definition of his, his lifestyle on earth. Watching and praying. That was Christ. He said, follow that man part of him. All right? So I hope you, that answers your question, uh, Anna. Right? So does he know? He's hypostatic union. So in a sense, he knows. But he would say the 100% of men, not interested. If I am not 100% man and 100% God, yes, even myself, I won't know. Okay? All right? Okay. So please remember this last year's theme. That is the point. Let us pray.